Hey everybody, this is a special edition Running Rogue podcast. I am recording on a Saturday live from Boston at the Reebok headquarters here. We have a very special guest for the show, Justin Knight. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I just finished the Boston road race doing the 5K and I was pretty uh, happy with my results, so I'm very enthused to be here. Yeah. Yeah, we, well, we're all happy with your result. Congratulations on that. Justin, by way of a quick background, and we'll get into more than this in a second, is born and raised in Canada from Toronto, went to the University of Syracuse where he was a, I believe, seven-time All-American, two-time NCAA champion. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to keep up at this <laughs> if point. I, <laughs> if I have my, my stats correct. Yeah. And, you know, finished second in the Outdoor 5K to finish off your collegiate career after winning the Indoor 5K. Now you are a professional athlete training with the Reebok Boston Track Club. Had a big race today, as you just mentioned, to race the BAA 5K this morning here on Boston Marathon Weekend. So we're going to talk about that, and then we'll talk a little bit more about you and and hopefully build some Justin Knight fans through this episode. (laughs) First, before we jump into the race itself, is this your first time in Boston for Marathon Weekend? It is. It is. I have not been in Boston for Marathon Weekend before. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it, hearing about how insane and how uh, everybody from Boston is really excited to experience like running, uh, running a marathon. And it's really cool to come to Boston and see this type of culture. This culture over here is just very interested in running. So it yeah. was definitely a great weekend for me. What's it like as an elite for the 5K? I mean, I know a little bit about what it's like for the marathoners. <laughs> Obviously, they're, they're a little bit maybe in the spotlight, maybe more so than the 5K athletes. Yeah. But how has it been for you? as an athlete at this race? I mean, it was really cool. Um, I think it was interesting because they had kind of everybody lined up getting ready to run the 5K beforehand and kind of on a different side than where we started. And uh, they were wishing us good luck. And like some kid recognized me. He's like, oh my gosh, that's Justin. And I (laughs) took a picture with him. Um, It was really cool. It wasn't overwhelming at the same time. I think just because it's the 5K, it's not the main event. Um, after the race, it was actually insane though. There's a lot of people coming up to me and I think a lot more kids kind of recognized, yeah. uh, that I was a kid from Syracuse. So uh, it was really fun to kind of get back out there with the public and, you know, see some young fans again and, you know, yeah. just be involved in the public. That's cool. Yeah. The BAA 5k has about 10,000 runners always happens on the Saturday before Boston. Some do it as a warm up of sorts <laughs> for the marathon. Others just get out there to have fun with it. It's it's a pretty nice course, nice and flat through yeah. through downtown Boston, passes under the finish line for the marathon and starts and finishes in Boston Commons. I've never done that one, but I've been out spectating and it's a cool atmosphere for sure. It's definitely, it's a beautiful course. Um, I didn't know what to expect from running on the roads just because it was my first time and I figured it'd be similar to cross country, but it was very spectator friendly. Um, the race was relatively flat. There was no real hills that... Yeah. Um, I was a, I was aware of and stuff, and it was just a nice course. Uh, obviously, in Boston, the architecture of the city is very beautiful, so you know it was an easy way to distract yourself. Yeah, yeah. And and so this is your first road race. It's my first road really? race. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. That's exciting. That's a good first road race. Yeah, not <laughs> too bad. I mean, the field that I was running with, all very talented guys. I think yeah. uh, you know anybody could have won the race on a given day, but. It was very close to the end and, you know, Hagos, very well accomplished athlete within himself. And I was telling you earlier how um, I was a big fan of his when I was 18 years old and I took a picture with him for the first time. But um, it was definitely a a very talented group of guys. And, 
you know, we all ran exceptionally well. Yeah, always always attracts a big field for the men and the women. Hago Skebrowet won in a 13.42. He beat Ben True, who got second by a couple of seconds, and then you were another second or so back from Ben in yeah. third. It seemed like the pack stayed together for a long time, but give us the play-by-play. How'd this thing, how'd this thing go for you? Well, I mean, from what I was seeing when I was running, I kind of went out, tried not to stay in too much trouble. I think I was drafting off the leaders, just trying to, there's a couple wind tunnels where I was just like, yeah, if I can get behind someone, then you know, I'll let them, I'll draft behind them. Um, a couple moves were being made. I think it was trying to like test out how antsy the field was. Like, hey, Ghost went to the front, made a move. No one really responded. Uh, then he slowed it right back down. And then I think, uh, I forgot what his first name is, but his last name's Gay. It's G-E-A-Y or something like that. Okay. And uh, he went to the front, kind of tested out the field, and came back. Um, I think once we hit the two and a half mile mark or whatever the mark was when we had to flip yeah um that's when like the pace started picking up gradually and started weaving out like a couple of the guys at the back and um it wasn't until i would say like maybe 800 meters when it really started opening up 800 meters to go so at least that's what i'm aware of i could (laughs) could watch the video and it'd be something probably a blur at that point it (laughs) seemed like gabriel made a pretty definitive move when he made his move is that how it played out yeah it was um i mean i was running i felt great i was very relaxed and I think I ended up looking down because runners sometimes you, it's hard to look straight all the time. I looked down for a couple of seconds and then I looked up and he was just <laughs> way in front of me. He gapped you. And um, ideally, I would have liked to cover that move if I if I was aware that it was being made. But um, yep. Ben True did a good job of kind of keeping us on an honest pace. And I tried to pass him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't been doing too much speed work right now, but um, I passed him for a little bit and then he passed me right back when it counted and he was able to get second. So, yeah, yeah. No shame in losing to Ben True, who, as I was telling you, he's finished first or second eight now eight times, yeah. including today in this race. So I think he has it pretty tiled. I mean, and maybe you can call him the king of Boston. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if I was Ben, that's what I'd be advertising. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, your teammate, Ben Flanagan, who was our episode 102 guest was right behind you, or maybe not right behind you. It was a little bit of a gap to him about three seconds back to Ben Flanagan. It, was he a late add to this race? It seemed like he was maybe a little bit on the fence um, because maybe had been struggling with some injuries. Was that, was that true, or did I somehow misread that? Um, as far as I'm concerned, from when I made the decision that I was going to run, I think he may have made it before me or okay. right at the same time. Um, I think you know we both have different agents and stuff and mine's pretty lax like I trust my agent and he knows what races I want to get into so um it's not super last minute when they text me or it's not last minute at all but it's not something that's been on the drawing board since like last year or something <laughs> right, so right um yeah and he's been I mean he's been working out really well with the guys I know like he kind of was his schedule was a little bit different cuz he stayed on the roads a lot longer than most of us did and um I he he did perform pretty pretty good yeah right there what's it like with him as a teammate now competing against each other i mean you competed against yeah. each other in college so you've yeah. got and you do it in the canadian and in, and in high championships too. yeah okay he so you, you guys go way back so what what's it like now being on the same side in a sense but also still competitors it's great i mean i think i've always been friends with ben he was on uh he was on my first national team together with me and he did a good job i was in high school at the moment and he was in his first year at michigan and um he was just a great role model for me. Like he took me under his wing for a little bit. Very nice. You know, he's a really nice guy, as you know, since you've talked to him. And um, in college, I mean, 
I, I wouldn't say it's a gang or anything, but us Canadians, like if you if you know someone's Canadian, you might not know them very well, but you will <laughs> always go out of their out of your way to kind of go say hi to them and ask them how they're doing. And um, that's kind of the relationship I had with Ben, whereas like I knew him as this elite runner in high school and he used to kick my butt when I was in grade 11. And then like, you know, he's someone I really, really looked up to. And then he he was always really nice. So I always answer my message if I had any um, for him. And throughout college, like our relationships just been like, hey, how's it going? Like, nice to see you um, whenever like a race was over or something and like the guys would be getting team dinner or like hanging out or something later he'd always extend an invite and um just being teammates with him now it's like we've really developed a, a good friendship he's a great guy someone i can rely on and um he's a very hard worker i think he he just loves to run which mm. is great so the days where i'm not feeling as good and you know i need someone to kind of hold me accountable he's just someone that doesn't mind going to the front and kind of pacing it out sometimes but can you just tell him to stay with the 10K so you guys can have your little lane? You know, I'll take, oh, I'll take the 5K, Ben. You can have the 10K. Ideally, I, I, it's just Canadian uh, national teams are getting kind of hectic in the 5K right now. We have right. a lot of talent. Mohamed. Mohamed, myself. Potentially Ben in there. Ben, Luke Boucher. Uh, I'm sure Charles Philibert Thibodeau, a Quebec guy. He's, he's like a 334 guy in the 15, but I've seen him run 5Ks before, and he's pretty good at them um yeah i'd be i i think he really wants to do the 10k i think that's his pride and joy and i i really like the 5k <laughs> yeah. i fought really hard in university for my coach to not make me run a 10k <laughs> i remember as a freshman uh he because he he thinks to this day if you ask coach fox he thinks that i'd be a better 10k runner than i am a 5k runner interesting and uh freshman year at syracuse he's just like justin i want you to run a 10k it's gonna go like this and i'm like coach I do not want to run a 10K on a track. Like, I'm not <laughs> mentally prepared for that. He's like, oh, no, no, Justin, you're, you'll do great. Trust me. And I said, Coach, how fast do I have to run in a 1500 to not have to run a 10K? <laughs> nice. And Negotiating. Yeah, I had to. Like, <laughs> I felt like I was fighting for my life. And um, Coach Fox, my PR in high school was 347 in the 1500. And he said, you know what? If you run 340 or sub 340, you don't have to run the 10k this year <laughs> and i ran 339 nice. <laughs> and i never had to run a 10k. there you since. go yeah but you're doing it in cross country so how, why is that different cross country is different and i've had this problem in track and field before where um when you're just doing so many laps and circles around the same place seeing the same thing like that's something it's really long to do for like 28 it's minutes it's and brutal yeah long like <laughs> yeah just being out there it's it's yeah. brutal it's something that i could do like i think right now as being a mature 22 year old like if you told me to run a 10k i'll just run it but at the time i was just like i really don't want to do that that's too much time they don't even play music sometimes at these meets <laughs> right i'd be like right. having a mental breakdown in my head for 28 minutes but a 10k on the track is indeed brutal yeah and it's hard to recover from i think that's one thing that people underestimate you know, a 10K on cross country or the roads is very different recovery than a 10K on the track. It is. Yeah, because the cross country, like, you know, it's usually muddy or it's some sort of gravel where uh, it's not too harsh on your legs. So, yeah. yeah. So let's go back to your start in running. You, from what I understand, got started a little bit later than some, 10th grade. Yeah. Sophomore year of high school. And so you've really only been in it for, what, six years at this six point? Six years, maybe? yeah, six so, years. Tell me about how you got into it. It's a I'm glad we have time on this podcast because it Plenty. is a long story. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I was a multi-sport athlete. Uh, basketball was my first love. I, I remember as a kid, I used to have Michael Jordan's shorts in his uniform and I'd wear it to bed whenever <laughs> we went out to dinner. Like any time of the day, I was always wearing it. And um, I was really in love with basketball. I got to high school. <clears throat> I was on the junior basketball team. I played volleyball as well. And in gym class, you know, I went to, I went to a Catholic private sports school. Um, just to put in perspective, like, you've had multiple athletes get scholarships to go to universities for basketball. We've had the most NHL players to graduate from our school, St. Michael's College, it's known for hockey, actually. And um, it's kind of like a sports school, but at the same time, it's very good education-wise as well. Yep. It's a private school. And um, I remember I was in gym class, and obviously our gym teachers, they take it a little bit more serious, and they expect a little bit more from the kids that can perform. And um, I remember I was, it was time, it was like mid-semester, like time to see like whatever your mid-semester grade was. And I had, I think I had like a 75 or a 70 in gym class. And I'm like, I mean, I was a decent student, but like right. gym was supposed to boost my average Should have been easy, more. yeah. And I, I remember going up to my gym coach and I was just like, what, what the heck's going on? Like, I'm the quarterback in football. Our team's doing decent. Like we're the tie for first or second. You know, the only... I can't. I can skate, but I can't stop. So <laughs> that's the only thing I said. It's a problem in hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And um, for basketball, you know, I was doing well. Volleyball, I played that too. And I was like, "What's the deal? Like, I'm I'm doing well, and my team's doing well in these, uh, in these sports that we're playing." And he was just like, "You know what, Justin? You're a multi." And I wasn't the only athlete in my class that had this problem. There's a couple of other basketball players that had this problem as well, but we had our talk separate. And he said, uh, "Justin, like the thing is." is like, yeah, there's a kid in gym class that doesn't play sports at all and he has a better grade than you, but I see that he's putting his 100% effort in. Yeah. He's like, you're giving me like 70, 75% effort. <laughs> and he's like, like that's, your grade. Yeah. that's why that's your grade. And um, I remember asking him, I was like, well, this can't fly because like, gym is supposed to be my easiest mark. So right. how are we going to change this? And there was one unit left, which was running. <laughs> and every year in the 10th grade, um all the 10th graders have to run a 5k so we'll train for it and i asked them like okay so the last unit's running like how do i for sure make sure that i can boost up my grade here and he told me that if you show me you're giving your 100 percent, so basically be up front yep. then i will change your grade because you're obviously trying and every day for practice i led the gym class um i was up front leading first in the practices and everything and we had, like, good track guys in our class. Like, one of the kids was sixth in the province in the 3,000 meter, and he was in my class. And then eventually on the day when we ran the 5K, um, I ended up breaking the school record or the 10th grade gym <laughs> yeah. class record Okay. in the 5K. And it was, it was through a trail or something like that. I think, yeah. I, ran like, I think I ran, like, 15, 20 or something like that. And I was in basketball shoes and stuff like that. And after that, like, my future high school track and field coach who is also a gym teacher, they were, you know, all the gym teachers always, they have little bets with themselves to see who has the fastest kid and stuff. And then Mr. Chittle, he tells me, he tells like everyone, oh, this kid, he's the fastest kid in my class and he actually broke the school record and he's faster than your student that got six in the province. <laughs> and he's telling that to Mr. Bergen, which is my, sorry, he's my, uh, my high school track coach. Yeah. Mr. Bergen's just like, oh, there's no way, like, Owen, he's six in the province. Like, he's fast he's going to be our next star there's no way he beat him he was cheating <laughs> and mr chittle's just like 
No. I mean, I was on the bike beside him the whole time, and, like, you can ask Owen. And he asked Owen, and he's like, no, sir, like, this guy's really talented. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and at this point in, in school, like, the year was pretty much over. I missed, like, the whole entire track season. There was only three meets left. There was um, our private school championship, um, our district championship, which would be all of Toronto, and then uh, OFSA, which would be, like, our provincial championship. And that was the only thing that was left. And, you know, they asked me if I wanted to join. And originally I said no because I've already missed so much school and I didn't <laughs> want to be any more behind than I already was. And they talked to my mom and my mom was just like, you know what, Justin, you know, if you want, you can do it. Like, just make sure that your homework's all done and you're caught up in everything. And I ended up doing track and field for the rest of that season and getting sixth in the profit in the nation. And... um. <laughs> I wasn't committed to running yet. I was just like, I still want to try this ball is life. I might be thing. good at this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I still want to try this ball is, ball is life uh, kind of movement. And I later on played AAU basketball in the summer. I went to the Pit Jam Fest um, and went to a couple of other AAU tournaments. And it was fun. I, I mean, I was good at basketball, but I was more like the sixth or seventh man. So, like, I mean, not that important, but, like, you know, I can still get yeah. some playing time. Yeah. And all the kids, they were also like six foot three, six foot four <laughs> on my team. It was weird. Yeah. And um, I was supposed to do the basketball season. And then I decided I was going to give cross country a shot. And I was training for cross country. My legs are shot. I'm not used to running like 10K a day or 8K a day. Um, and our basketball season didn't start yet. And then eventually our, my basketball coach, like, he was kind of like a little bit upset that I kept missing a lot of basketball practices, even though we weren't in season. And it just came down to me just saying, like, you know what? Seems like God has blessed me with a talent here. Yeah. Um, doesn't look like I'm going to be making the NBA or anything. So let me try some, some other sport and give it a, my 100% effort. And it ended up working out for me. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening for that, yeah, to that well, whole thanks. entire story. I, mean, I think we have to thank your gym coach for, <laughs> yeah. for challenging you in that way. Yeah. I so mean, it just seems like that's all you need is somebody to throw down a challenge. Yeah. You, you <laughs> Give me a bad grade. Coach Fox with the, the 10K <laughs> yeah. and the 1500 mark and then the bad grade from your high school gym coach. That's I, pretty awesome. I've definitely given him some thanks. Um, I haven't talked to him for a while because he retired shortly after. But um, my mom uh, was friends with an acquaintance of him, and I've reached out and thanked him for yeah. everything. So when did you? I mean, obviously you show aptitude as something. That's one thing. But when did it become a thing that you thought I actually enjoy doing this? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for a while there, like I was just doing it to do it, and I was like, it's fun when you like win and everything. But like a practice was really hard for me. But I think like I made a lot of new friends on the team, like. Basketball was really fun and everything, but I knew most of those kids and every and all that. But track and field and cross country was a little bit different. Like just going on a run and just talking about everything under the sun and just having a good time. And uh, I think when I started making some friends on my team during cross country season, that's when I really started loving it because not only did I uh, kind of meet new friends that went on to be really good friends of mine, but um, we're also struggling together and like we're sharing success together when we run these races in cross country so that's when i really started having a love for the sport that's so important i always say running is a solo sport only if you let it be exactly and uh yeah. finding a, a good team that's a big part of what we do in austin as i was telling you before we got on it yeah we have a bunch of group-based training and that's where the magic is it suffering is. together 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know if you're going to ask this question, but it just reminds me in, in other interviews, one of the questions they always ask me is like, oh, what was the, your favorite moment in college? Um, aside from world championships, because that situation was insane in itself. Yeah, 2017. 2017, but yeah. aside from that, like my answer w- is and will Can always... I guess? Sophomore year, winning the team title? Winning the team title, exactly. And, uh, you know, you know, I won an individual title as well, but when you have something that you can share with your teammates and you've been working together so hard for like the whole year and finally accomplish it and then like celebrate and have fun together. It was just the most heartwarming thing. ever. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good transition to talk about your time at Syracuse. That team and really all the teams that you were on there were very workmanlike, you know, yeah. blue collar, so to speak, yeah. whatever you want to say, weren't, wasn't necessarily the most highly recruited guys, yeah. but you got the team title. Your sophomore year, competed for it. Your other two years, obviously didn't get it again, but still mm-hmm. competed well as a team yeah. those other years. And then you got the individual title your senior year. What was magical about that group of guys? I mean, those guys were, they were hard workers, just like what you said. And um, I'm, I'm now thinking back to like uh, kind of how it all started. Like, you know, Syracuse, we we had a trouble even making it to regionals, you know, <laughs> like we were losing everything left, right and center kind of like before coach Fox got there and what coach Fox did, he made into a competitive program with average guys. And even though our guys were average, a lot of them, their attitude was like, I want to continue. I want to run pro when I'm yeah. done. And it didn't matter what their times were in college, but they always held their self, held themselves accountable because they want to continue running forever. And I think being a freshman and like, it's easy to kind of get lost in college and stuff like that. Cause like there's so no one's watching over you, you know, your parents aren't there and your coaches kind of leave you alone for the most part. But that team, like our head was just super straight and narrow, you know, like we were focused. We all wanted to accomplish the same goal, which was winning a team championship. And we, we really held each other accountable. Like we had fun while doing it, but at the same time, we, we just knew how badly we wanted a team championship and we knew what it was going to take and uh, each other, we just held each other accountable. And the one thing is like, we didn't look at all those teams like, you know, Oregon or Colorado. And I mean, now NAU is starting to be one of those <laughs> right? teams, yeah. but they get all these crazy guys Stanford, um, out of, yeah. in Stanford. Sorry. Yeah. That's another big yeah. one. They get all these crazy guys from like NXN and Foot Locker, which side note, I'm really disappointed I never got a chance to do any of that stuff. <laughs> right, but, right. Um, we never looked at those guys and saw them as being untouchable. We kind of looked at them and this is the way the older guys mentality was. Like we looked at them and said, why can't we be that? Like they were born around the same time we were. Why can't we physically get to where they're at in? Um, it kind of, it was a good place to start for me as a freshman. I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody about the cool thing about running is that work is the great equalizer Mm -hmm. in that you, you you don't have to have the most talent. Talent obviously helps, especially if you're going to (laughs) be at the highest level, that's sort of a prerequisite, but work can make up for sometimes a lack of talent you know yeah. you, you say the guys were average i wouldn't say average yeah, but, i'm sorry but, no, uh, apologies to yeah, any of my apologies my teammates. to your teammates but uh but s- solid runners but yeah. not the most highly recruited exactly that's but what I meant. they replaced that with the work ethic which is really cool and i think for adult athletes that are trying to do whatever it may be yeah. qualify for boston get a personal best run a certain time in a race there's no substitute for that yeah 
and it's it's I've learned it the the hard way and stuff, but you can't get down on yourself. Like it's not gonna be, hey, I want to hold myself to this goal and I want to do it, and it's not gonna happen overnight. But you know, if you just keep true to that goal and work hard and kind of just have faith in yourself and say, you know, why can't I do this and what just work towards it like it's possible. Um, anything can happen, and I think that's kind of what those the guys on my team has taught me. And even to expand on that point is um, a lot of the guys, like after my freshman year, I'd say kind of the spring is where I started to kind of break through as an athlete running like 1334 and like 339, as I told you earlier. And um, at that point, like I've ran, I got in a couple school records and uh, ran faster than uh, a couple of the guys on my team. But I learned, I'm the type of person where there's something to learn from every individual. And even like um, the guys on my team that were struggling to make ACCs or like going to like a Cornell meet that wasn't as like big time as a Peyton Jordan meet in Stanford, I would ask those guys how their races were and I'd ask them like, hey, what were the troubles you ran in over here? And sometimes I'd even ask them how I should run my race in cross country because just because I'm going through something up here doesn't mean you're not going through the same thing back here. So there's always something to learn. And that's how I learned a lot of my tactics. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So you you won the team title your sophomore year. As an individual, you didn't break through to win a title until your senior (laughs) year. Yeah. Now, part of that's because you ran into the buzzsaw that is King Chess. Yep. (laughs) University of Oregon. And and a lot of people were bridesmaids to him throughout your time there in college. Was there frustration that came with that, trying to get that individual title, or was it just a matter of sticking with it and and believing that it would come? It was just a matter of sticking with it. I think um, the way my progression has been in cross country, like I think the only way to describe it was that I was happy but not satisfied mm. with my performances. Like I, I was very unhappy about getting one forty third my freshman year, <laughs> but that's <laughs> hey first time rookie. Yeah, that, I mean that was for its own reason, and then. Um, my sophomore year, I, I believe I got fourth, and then junior year, I got second, and then, which I ended up beating Chez, getting second, but Pat Tiernan was right. the man to beat, um, and then eventually getting first, but um, it didn't frustrate me, because the way I looked at Chez, and I'm actually really good friends with him, like, even to this day, I send him a text every now and then, and, you know, he's been my buddy for a long time now, um, he's, he's just a, a nice guy, like, yeah. I think being friends with him kind of leveled him like I didn't mm. look at him like oh my god yeah he's a normal guy he's a normal guy <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool funny very funny guy and um the way I always viewed Chez because there's always been you know people getting upset about um people from a like a certain background coming in and running these insane times and stuff like that but to me I look at it as a, as being like if you didn't have Chez in the game or Lawi Lalang or some of these other guys that have like ruled the NCAA beforehand, you would never know how good you would be. Right. Like Chez was essentially almost like a rabbit for us. Like hmm. he paced us to be better than what we would have ran without him. Yeah. And uh, for a lot of people, like, you know, I wouldn't have got a chance to run world championships if it wasn't for being in a race with him and a couple of other really good guys. And, um, I wouldn't have pushed myself to the level that I did if I wasn't trying to catch up to Ed. So yeah. I'm very thankful to kind of actually have had him in my career. And uh, he's definitely just helped me set certain standards and goals for myself. Yeah. Raise the bar for yeah, everybody. For sure. 
can he is he gonna find a country so we can get him oh, to compete <laughs> co- compete at world champs or the olympics next oh, year man, like I, we got to figure that out oh man i mean i talked to him about that stuff i, <laughs> I feel like i can't personally right. tell him maybe maybe off the mic yeah but right. uh, i can't personally talk to what his situation is but he's gonna be all right regardless whether uh what country he runs for he's certainly proved that he's talented enough to make the olympics or the world champs for whatever team and um I know that he wants to represent, you know, he wants, he wants to, he wants to do well. I can't say like where he's going to go or yeah. anything, but like, he's definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry. we're watching. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's got a good, a good partner, um, yeah. in Skechers there. So I think he'll be, he'll be good. For sure. So, yeah. but we're all, we're all watching, hoping to see him out there because again, he'll raise the bar for you. Right. Exactly. So we, we all want to see that. So at Syracuse, let's talk about working with coach Fox there in that iteration. Now, obviously you're still working with him at, at uh, the mm-hmm. Reebok Boston track club. And we'll talk about those differences in a second, but what was it like going from this late blooming high school career <laughs> to him, him coming on board at Syracuse? It was, it was a smooth transition actually. And that was one of the reasons why I went to Syracuse because I was a very low mileage guy. Like I was running 30 miles a week. Well, maybe 35 if I was getting if I was actually running on Saturday and Sunday. Yep. And um, I remember when I was getting recruited and I got recruited by a lot of schools. And um, at one point I was lying to coaches, which is bad. And kids, if you're watching, don't, <laughs> do <laughs> don't ever do lie to the coaches. You're but embarrassed I, by your mileage. Yeah, because I didn't understand running. I thought yeah. that they wanted me to be doing more and me doing less was frowned upon. I, yeah. I don't know how I mistake that, but like right. I didn't want them to think poorly of me. So I said I was doing like 60 miles a week. <laughs> and then I was talking to my the high truth school. The truth comes out. Yeah. Well, the truth came out Later. well before then. But <laughs> okay. I was talking to my high school coach and I, I told him like what all the coaches were saying and what I was saying to them. And he's like, why would you say that you're doing 60 miles a week? Like, I don't even know if you're running on weekends. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> you know, I don't want them to think poorly of me because like I know everybody else is probably doing that, but I'm right. not. And he's like, no, they're going to really love that. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's got potential. Yeah. So yeah. I ended up calling every single coach back. Okay. And telling them what I actually do. And they were ecstatic. You can say. <laughs> and like, All right. We got a lot of potential to mine here. Yeah. And yeah. Um, moving forward from them, when I ended up deciding to go with coach Fox, like he told me that he's not going to put me in a program where um, he makes everybody do this and only the strong survive and the rest, like whatever, you're still on scholarship, whatever. And uh, he told me that I'll be doing what the guys are doing, but he'll kind of tailor it so that I can ease into the mileage. And um, my freshman year, I was running like 35 miles a week. Sophomore year, I got to 40. Uh, junior year, I think I got to like 50 or 55 by the end of summer. And then senior year, I kept it at 60. And um, it was a really smooth transition, like um, just the way he coaches. And um, I think he's very similar to my high school coach, actually, too, because instead of being one of those coaches that, you know, yells at you and says, what the heck are you doing? And maybe something even worse than that. Right. Um, he was the type of person that, you know, he believed in you and if you did something wrong, like if you had a bad race, he wouldn't like start yelling at you about it. He would just be like, you know, I'm disappointed, but like, we'll just gear up for next time. And, uh, even when I was in practice, like he would give words of encouragement rather than like, you're fearing for your life. If you don't run this, split <laughs> he's not right. yelling at you. Yeah. I mean, everybody's different. Some people, sure. some people need people to yell at them, but 
Um, I'm not sure which if I'd respond to that as well, but um, he was very similar to my high school coach. So gradual build, 60 miles a week your senior year. Where are you now? Right now I'm at like 70. Okay, yeah, so still building. Still gradually going. Wow. Trying not to run any more 10Ks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, but that yeah. has to point to the fact that there's, there's still a lot more potential as yeah. you continue to build that, yeah. that base. Yeah. I think you, I, I saw you talking in, in a flow track interview about how, you know, with the collegiate schedule, it's hard, it was hard to build a foundation before cross started because you just came right off track. So you're oh, just yeah. sort of recovering and then you get thrown right back in. So you never really had these foundational blocks yeah. that you can actually take advantage of now, like through the winter this, this year. So talk about that. What does that, what do you think that means for you? I think, it, I mean, as you, well, I mean, I'm a lot stronger now, I would say. Um, before, like, definitely had a lot more speed to rely on. My people said I had a good kick. And um, right now I'm a lot, a lot stronger than I was before. I didn't even start working on uh, speed stuff and, like, kind of finishing in, like, 27, 26-second 200s. And um, I think, you know, Coach Fox says I'm just as fit as I've ever been. Or, sorry, he said I'm way more fit than I've ever been. Sorry, that's <laughs> yeah. the, the right way to yeah, describe yeah. it. And um, it's been nice, too, because even throughout my entire year or my four years at Syracuse, I never, as you said, I, I never had a summer to kind of build a base because when I was going into my freshman year, I was coming off World Juniors, and that extended until, like, late July. So I wasn't really running. I was kind of on a break. And then sophomore year, I took, like, a month or two off. And then junior year, I think I was trying to go for the Olympics, didn't make it. Or maybe it was my sophomore year I tried to go to the Olympics. I don't know. 2016. So that would have been soft, sophomore year, yeah. Yeah, sophomore yeah, 2017 year. would have been your, your junior my year junior. or your world champs. Oh, okay, so my sophomore year, I tried to make the Olympics. Um, I had a great race in Portland, and then we just shut it down for a month. And then I started running like 30 minutes a day until I got to school. And then um, junior year, I ended up making the world champs team, which was amazing. And... Um, that extended until like August. So I didn't really have a base. And when I got back to school, I was still on break because I needed to take some recovery time. And then um, senior year, yeah, I just did NACAC. Yeah. So, so you finished ninth at World Champs in 2017 in London. That's pretty awesome. Make the final, <laughs> finish ninth against very, very stacked field. Yeah. Was that crazy? Was that just like deer in the headlights sort of experience for you? Or did you feel like you really belonged? I felt, I think um, the only deer in the headlight situation was when I met Mo Farah. And I'll talk <laughs> about that after. Okay. <laughs> and right. um, I think for me, I'm the type of person where, and I always explain this to people, like I set unrealistic goal for my, goals for myself. Um, and it's not, I'm not cocky by any means, and you can be your own <laughs> judge or anything, but <laughs> right. um, I'm not a cocky person. It's just that to me, nothing's ever perfect so if i set a goal for myself what's realistic chances are i get to that race and it's going to be rainy or it's going to be cold or it's going to be windy all these weather conditions or like maybe my legs don't feel good and it's very likely that i'll not perform to the level that i set for myself but if i set unrealistic goals for myself i'm training to be better than what i should be right and chances are you know the conditions don't change, you know, it still might be cold, wet, whatever, or my legs might not feel good. But since I was training to run X and X of a time, 
maybe I might not live up to it, but I'll surpass what was realistically set yeah. for me yeah. in the first place. So I, I don't beat myself up on it too. Like, to be honest, when I ran 1317 to qualify, I wanted to run 1310, but I was still ecstatic. I ran 1317. So, <laughs> right. or maybe it was 1315 I wanted to run, but um, it's just stuff like that. And then um, I think when I got to world championships, I remember uh, being in the kind of athlete call area. And, you know, all these guys have pro contracts and stuff, or most of them did. And they were, like, really antsy. <laughs> and I was just enjoying, like, this is the biggest stadium I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I was just soaking it up. And I was, like, with all these athletes that I see on TV, and I thought it was really cool. And um, this is a funny story, actually. For the semifinal, because Coach Fox came out to London, um, he actually bought his ticket to go back to America for after the semifinal. Oh, he didn't expect <laughs> you to make the final. <laughs> no, no he, on, <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, my gosh. In all fairness, like, I was <laughs> fit enough to run, but I wasn't in the best shape I've ever been. Okay. And, I mean, it's hard to make the finals, you know? And yeah. it's my first time, and a lot of people don't make the final on their first time. And um, I ended up making the final because the goal that I set for myself is I knew that I think it's, it was either top four or top five make it. I don't remember. But I wanted to win. I really <laughs> wanted to win that race. And it ended up being um, Idris, something Idris. Mukhtar Idris. Yes. Yep. And Mo Farah. Um, I think Kajelcha was my race, and then it was me. And um, That's a pretty stacked like, list. <laughs> it's a pretty stacked <laughs> list. But I didn't, I didn't really care. Like, I knew the guys, and I knew how good they were, but I just, I just wanted to win so bad that I ended up finding myself like leaning it at the line with Mo. And um, <laughs> that's, wow. yeah. And after I made it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to the final. So it was really cool. And um, when I met Mo, I remember I crossed the line. I'm like, okay, you can actually talk to him now because you're going to yeah, see him again. Right. And he just ran pretty well against him. Right. So I saw him and I was just like, okay, don't fanboy him. <laughs> just go up to him, tell him good race right. and leave. That's all you need to do, Justin. And I thought I understood. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, I'm face to face with them. And that all went out the window. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, it's nice to meet you. Blah, blah. I've been such a big fan of you for so long. Oh, man. And um, how did he respond? <laughs> he had to do a lot of interviews. So yeah. like he just said thank you and then like kind of rushed off. But then after when we got into like the locker rooms and stuff, getting our gear and everything and getting changed, he came up to me and like he had, we had a really good conversation and he. He asked me about myself, where I'm at, and uh, whether or not I was a pro or not, and what I plan on doing. And um, we've remained friends to this day. Like, I talk to Mo maybe, um, you know, a couple times. I always ask him for advice, and he's really good at responding. And um, he's just been, like, a great role model that's to me. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, sorry, we got a little bit off no, topic. No, that's okay. I mean, that, <laughs> I was, we were talking about that experience. Yeah. That, of course, was Mo's supposedly last big track experience he yeah. wanted to do it in london and try to get the double there yeah and so that's cool to be a part of that yeah. story oh so back to being uh the environment and stuff so yeah. when i went to the final you know it's in london so it's mo's home yeah and i almost went deaf <laughs> the last lap <laughs> so loud. i've never been in and i've been to hockey games i've been to basketball games like yeah i've never been in an environment where so many people were just screaming at the top of their voice like i i couldn't hear anything yeah. And there is like, I couldn't tell if there was someone <laughs> behind me because I couldn't hear like their feet pit pattering. And it was just an insane environment to be in front of. Like, and he when, got beat, right? 
Uh, in yeah. the 5K. I, I think, think he, he won the 10K and he got beat in the 5K. He won the 10K and got beat yeah. in the 5K, but it was still very it was close. close. Yeah, it came because he got second, I believe. Yeah. So and the it, crowd it may have been Idris that ended up beating him, if I remember right. I think it was, yeah. 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 That's cool. That's it was a cool a, experience. That was the coolest part of my, uh, my world championship experience. Tell you a quick story on on those lines. I was in Beijing watching the 2008 Olympics. Okay, yeah. And and I went to every track session, and I was in the stadium when Bolt Usain Bolt ran oh the hundred world record, and it was the same kind <laughs> of environment. And uh, and we happened, we got lucky. It's kind of a long story. Ended up we were five rows back of the track. Yeah. And directly across the finish line. So we were at the start of the back stretch, but yeah. we could see straight down the finish line, which was pretty perfect for the hundred. Yeah. And of course he did his thing where he like, you know, blew everybody away and then pulled up like ten meters <laughs> and kind of started we'll celebrating never know early. How fast, man. And so we all saw that and then but you know, were waiting on the times to flash. Yeah. As he ran around, he kept running around and ended up right in front of us celebrating, doing his little move and uh yeah. And then the times flashed, and of course, everyone was going nuts. It was kind of like that. It yeah. was deafening. And then the time flashed with the world record. And for, a, for like a split second, like I don't even know how much that would be, like a fraction of a fraction of a second, the whole place was like, like yeah. went quiet <laughs> for just a split second because they were shocked by the world record given how easy it looked. Yeah. And then it went crazy again. It was oh really a really cool experience, but kind of like that. It's like it's it's rare to have those stadium moments. Yeah, it's breathtaking. But almost. that's cool. That you got to be a part of it, not just yeah. in the stadium, but on the track. <laughs> yeah. with it. I was pretending that those guys were cheering for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Uh, but that kind of experience has got to bode well for future experiences like that because you've been there. Yeah, I think it definitely set me up um, well for in the future. You know, it's if you made the final your first time, you should do nothing but expect to make the final every time going forward until you get old so um yeah i'm definitely looking forward to what my future entails so let's talk about your future so you had options coming out of school mm-hmm. uh from what i understand deciding between a couple of different sponsors obviously you ended up with reebok shout out to reebok for <laughs> connecting us and yeah. also for sponsoring you and so how did that whole decision process play out how did you end up with reebok what you like about about what they were providing for yeah. you yeah i mean the, the the process was way harder than um getting recruited in college um it's very different and you know it involves an agent and everything but fortunately i got that stuff sorted out um after my ncaa eligibility and stuff to be honest it's people wanted to like talk to me a little bit and just kind of like just see like just hey like how's it going just to introduce themselves like not even talk about business but just to introduce and um i was just so in the zone i was just like you know what i i haven't won an ncaa title (laughs) individually yet um and i just want to focus on that and as soon as everything's all said and done we can talk And um, that's kind of the way it played for me. And obviously, like, I was aware of, like, certain companies wanting me and, like, certain agents wanting to deal with me. But um, they were very respectful, all of them. Um, They weren't harassing me or anything. It was just like, okay, we completely understand and we like that you take that attitude. And um, just hearing Reebok out and everything over here, it's, it's been great. I felt like the vision that they have for themselves and the vision that I have for myself lined up very similar. Um. I want to be great. 
um, when I represent a company or a team or anything, I take a lot of pride into it. And I, I feel like it's almost my company. No, that's the <laughs> wrong way to put it. But like, yeah, I treat it as if it's you take some, ownership of the responsibility. Yeah, because yeah. like if I'm not going to excuse my language, but represent somebody half ass. Right. You know, it's I'm going to. OK, you can say whatever you want on this one. <laughs> oh, it's one of those <laughs> Explicit, podcasts. Explicit. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't Viewer's discretion is advised. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to represent a company half ass. And I, I saw the vision that they had for themselves and what they wanted to be. Not only as a company, but as like a running, you know, they wanted to have, they had all these goals as a running team and with their running gear and all that stuff. And um, that was very interesting to see and to kind of hear them out on that. And then also um, they told me that I'd be very involved in the process. Like a lot of the stuff that they would make would be kind of detailed for myself, um, where I'd be giving a lot of input in like what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And I feel like a lot of people coming out of college don't really get opportunities like that and even the fact that um they set up for me where i get to keep my coach from college a coach that i'm very comfortable with was you know that was very enticing for me and um i've done great things with coach fox on the world stage and in college and i knew that was someone i can trust and uh we became very good friends like he's he's like family to me so um all that stuff was very enticing and it kind of helped me decide where i was going to be for the Xbox. And and you guys are building a pretty awesome team. Obviously, Ben yeah. Flanagan there, Martin here, yeah. teammate from Syracuse. Rob Demanic just won the mile. Rob, yes, you, know you won the BA Invitational Mile earlier today. Yeah. You guys had a big weekend yeah. here in Boston, so that's got to be cool to see the team coming in around. Yeah, very, very good group of guys and girls that we have. I mean, we have two girls on our team, and um, it's kind of, it reminds me of Syracuse where people have that work ethic, you know? Um we're all really good, but <laughs> we're not. I'm not Mo Farah level. I'm. We don't have a Matthew Sensuitz on our team, and we we see those guys and we want to be like them. We want to be even better than them, and it's just it's like working towards winning that championship again, like the same way same way we did at Syracuse. So, um, definitely a great group of guys. We all get along really well together. I think we'd be out friends with each other outside of running, even if. Uh, running didn't kind of make us cross paths so it's it's very nice yeah and you guys are training in charlottesville virginia even <laughs> though you're called the reebok boston track club because reebok is based in boston thank you yes <laughs> that that's the boston connection but how how did you end up in charlottesville how's that going so far you know i mean i think the coaches really chose the place to be honest um charlottesville is a place that you know, in college we raced at uva a bunch of times um, we all liked it over there and also coach Fox is from the DMV area as well so he's very familiar with those ends and uh, I think just even having like the university there and like uh, it's just a very good town to be in it's not in the middle of the city it's to be honest Charlottesville is a glorified suburb they, <laughs> they say it's a city okay but it's really just a huge suburb and um, I think just all of all of those components and having like uh, good people, good doctors over there that can attend to our needs is just kind of why we all end up yeah. going there. Also, sorry, big factor is the weather. Yeah. Being a guy from Better Canada, weather. Yeah. <laughs> Canada and going to Syracuse. Better uh, weather sorry. for sure. And a beautiful city. I mean, yeah. Charlottesville is gorgeous. It's very nice. It's very, very nice. And there's a lot of good food there, actually, believe it or not. Um, yeah, and, and I love it. And we've enjoyed it all the time. Going to practice is great. You know, I can go in a sweater never had to put on a jacket really 
So uh, it's funny, though, because when it snows, it doesn't snow a lot there, but, like, if snow is falling from the sky, uh, they cancel everything. Like yeah, I know, I know. I know how that is. Being from Texas, same yeah. way. <laughs> I mean, they, they'll cancel stuff in Texas if there's just a threat of it coming, not, yeah. not even if it actually falls. And it's cool because, like, <laughs> you know, me and my girlfriend will go to, like, Target, and I feel like Beyonce where, like, I can shut down the whole store. <laughs> and it's just, like, I'm a celebrity, and I'm just out there. I don't know. It's, it's stupid, but I have all shutting these crazy Shutting down Target. Things. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Justin Knight, shutting down Target. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So how it has training evolved at all from what you did with Coach Fox at Syracuse or is it pretty much more of the same? It's very similar, like the type of workouts that we do, a lot of tempos, um, a lot of in and outs occasionally, depending on where in the season we're at. Um, the track stuff, similar, but the only thing that I would say is different is our intensity level. Obviously, like we're on the pro, uh, pro scene right now. A lot of our guys are faster than they were when they were in college and everything. and it's the first time we're like, this is the one thing that's different about uh, the pro life rather than college is you're not on a team where there's like maybe one or two really good kids and then everybody kind of like fills in the spaces. So if you're having a bad day, you know, you're more or less likely to be still leading the workout, right. you know? Yep. Whereas here it's like, if you're having a bad day, you know, you're having a bad <laughs> day. Like you're getting Rob's, beat up. Yeah. Rob's <laughs> kicking my butt on three hundreds and stuff, but um, it's just really good. It's it's good to have a group of guys that can hold you accountable where, where even when you are having a bad day, you're still getting some really good work in. And uh, Coach Fox's coaching is more or less very similar to what was what it was like in college, but the intensity is just a little bit higher. What do you guys do for your long runs? I, I run like, 90. What do you get up to? I get to 90 minutes. So okay. I correct me. Actually, you can't correct me because you're not there, but <laughs> I think because I didn't get a GPS watch. I, I have an Apple watch right now, but um, it has a GPS on it. But this is the first time I've ever had a watch with a GPS. So you, you're just running by time. You're not worried about your distance. Yeah. And I, I'm a pretty slow jogger. Um, what does that mean? What, what pace do you think you're going? And we have to speak in minutes per mile. Uh, seven, seven minutes to okay. 730. For your long runs? Yeah, sometimes. Awesome. But the yeah. one thing that's different about our long runs now is that we do have a couple guys that train for like the marathon and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they get a little frisky, happy feet <laughs> stuff on the long runs. And I'm like, those damn long, those damn marathoners. Oh my God. And I'm used to like my long runs just being a long run, but very easy. And sometimes these guys get happy feet. And uh, that's the way it should be though. It, sh it probably it's should. Funny. <laughs> it's funny you say that. And this, I was talking to Brogan Austin who won the, he trains with 10 man elite and he won the U S yeah. marathon champs yeah. about his easy runs, his long runs. He was talking about running, you know, seven minutes, sometimes up to eight minutes, yeah. depending on what he did the day before and what he's recovering from. And, you know, he's a guy who ran a two eleven marathon. Wow. Yeah. You know, was dropping like four forty five miles at the end of that race, oh which is insane. Right. After yeah. 26 miles, you're, you know, running 13, 17, five K's which is incredibly fast, but still running easy long runs because that's where you're getting that aerobic development, the exactly. foundation, the strength that will allow you to use your speed exactly. late in a race. And yeah, I coach athletes that are running 7, 7.30 on their <laughs> long runs who are not running 4, 4X on yeah. anything. And because cause there's, there's, there's just that tendency to believe that you have to run fast to get fast. Yeah. And... Because that seems intuitive. 
it but seems like it makes sense. It right? does, yeah. but it's not the way it works. You yeah. have to you have to slow down on those long runs, otherwise you beat yourself up, and then you can't go as fast on the workouts. Exactly. I was actually talking to someone about this right before I started talking with yeah. you. Yeah. And that's my mentality. Like to be honest, for a long time, uh, you know, I went from running five days a week, thirty miles in high school, to where I'm at now, and I still keep the same mentality. Like. On my easy days, I'm just running to tell coach, like, hey, I got outside the door today. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to give you my splits or anything. But, right. um, yeah, I think, and I think that's important for the younger generation to know. And anytime I do talk to high school athletes, um, I always encourage them to, one, listen to their coaches because some of them kind of get on their own tangents and off of reading stuff off the Internet and do whatever they want. But I always encourage them to, like, you know, take your easy days easy so you can work hard on your hard days because you're not going to be able to recover. You can't yeah. go an entire year of just running hard all the time every day. And um, I think that's something that will help kids because eventually it catches up to you and it's like uh, you get to college and, you know, you, you peaked maybe in gr yeah. grade 9 or grade 10 and all of a sudden you're used to winning all these races and maybe even before college all of a sudden you're losing and you're not used to losing and that's mentally that's something that's very hard to deal with yeah so everybody out there not just kids adult athletes like yes. the ones i coach as justin knight says listen to your coach <laughs> slow listen down to your coach. on your long runs <laughs> it's not just coming from me yeah all right i think i know where this is gonna go given your previous comments about when somebody throws a standard at you you don't seem to be phased or it creates a bar that you're gonna get right yeah. so let's talk about the new standards for the olympics yep and I was talking, and so it's different in Canada in terms of your qualifying process. Yeah. You know, the U.S. is a little bit more what you might say a meritocracy, where if you run top three at the trials, you have the standard, you're in, no questions asked. Yep. It's, it's more black and white. It makes sense. But in Canada, <laughs> it's a little bit more subjective, so to speak. I don't even know all the details, but I just know that the people are making decisions. I don't think we even know the details. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> And so, you know, uh, and so that makes it hard to know what the the bar is. Yeah. And with these new standards, I think in some ways it actually helps Canadian athletes because the standards are so high that if you get them, yeah. then how are they going to turn you away, right? So is it that way in your head? And what do you think about trying to run a 13-13 three, a for the 5K? You have a 13-17 PR. I can't imagine that scares you at all. No. But <laughs> how are you thinking about it? I, I'm very uh, – I have a – I have a good attitude towards it. I think, and you already know the answer, but you asked me anyways, but, you know, I set high goals for myself and uh, the standards are slower than the goals that I set for myself. And even the Olympic standard, I know, I think world champs is what? It's 13, 15. 15 maybe. It's slower. Yeah, yeah it's a little slower, bit. It's slower than 13, 13. But yeah. the way I see it is, you know, I'm going to try to go for the Olympic standard and I'm going to get the world champ standard. Like that's just something that comes with right, right. attempt going to attempt to finalize the goal that I set for myself. And um, I think the new criteria system is like a little bit confusing based off of points. Like my agent tried to explain rankings, it to me and I'm yeah. just like, I don't know. I'm just going to try to run. I don't think anybody <laughs> understands it really. I don't even think IAAF understands no, it yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get why they made it the way they did, but um you know, I'm just hoping that as long as I run fast, I'll be there. I so think that's the way it works. That's is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to do that. And um, I think I think more people I know it's hard. And I know some people, you know, I'm a 1317 guy and 1313 is not too far away. And I know there's people that are like maybe 1325 where 
you know, 13, 17 would be more easily to reach. And it's kind of discouraging, but um, I don't think they should let that discourage them. Like, you're only getting better from pushing yourself. And at the end of the day, um, we're all just trying to be the best that we can be. Yeah. And the only way to get better is to kind of set higher standards for yourself. And uh, just because someone challenges you doesn't mean that you can't do it. So what's your plan to get to standard then? Um, do you have a race in mind or is it still coming together? I mean, it's still coming together. I have no clue what's going on in terms of which athletes are going where. Like I have other friends that are on these pro teams for, you know, very reputable uh teams that have done well in the olympics historically and you know i don't really know what they're doing like i'm friends with them but right we don't talk about running all day you know <laughs> and um i think uh i know i'll be racing Peyton jordan in about two or three i think it's two weeks but it might be three weeks yeah and um i can only imagine it's going to be fast there whether or not always it's fast be there right usually yeah <laughs> not maybe not 13 13 fast but always fast last year we didn't have a pacer which was kind of hard for me but it ended up being fast yeah we had a guy go through like that and i think he went 1600 meters which in a 5k i'm like you know did you really <laughs> need to be on the track anyways i don't know but, <laughs> right um yeah i think that'll, that'll be my first track race and the only one i have set in stone right now and then from there um uh, we'll just move on and it's just one of those things where I'm not worried about getting standard. It's it's like uh, where I was at indoors, I was not in good shape whatsoever. Like to be honest, I probably shouldn't have raced at that Grand Prix meet. But um, where I'm at now, I'm getting better and I'm gradually getting better. So I don't want to get into a standard race early just to say I tried for it. But I'm trying to like kind of gradually peak and start running those standards when I'm at, am at the top of my fitness. Doha's later this year because of the heat there which kind of makes it difficult in some ways to prepare for because you have to extend that season whereas you know you're starting now with Peyton Jordan and normally worlds would be in August and so it all kind of fits together yeah with the Canadian championships and earlier in the summer and so forth are you guys constructing your season any or your schedule any differently because of later worlds uh yeah definitely i mean i think we're gonna just try to knock our standards out of the way run a couple fast 1500s too and it'd be great to get a standard in the 15 as well because you know i don't like running 10k so (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to keep that streak going (laughs) and um i think uh once i don't think ben wants you running the 10k anyway (laughs) he probably (laughs) doesn't he probably doesn't um but uh i think once i get my standards out of the way then we can kind of get good training in but not we can take breaks here and there, you know what I mean? Um, also, you know, Canadian National Championships in the summer is going to be July 27th, I think. And the thing about that is, you know, there's no disrespect to it, but it's just our field's not as deep as USA's field. So, right. you know, I'll be running against Mo Ahmed, Ben Flanagan, Luke Boucher, Charles, some other guys that I mentioned before, but it's not like I'm running with 12 guys that can go 1310 you know so uh definitely will be a bit different and that kind of works towards us uh not having to utilize a lot of our energy and peak Mm. for that as well but um it'll be interesting it's going to be a challenge for sure but i don't think anybody's prepared for it so right we're all on the same yeah and who knows what the weather will be like oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) right i might be a complete different color like after tanning (laughs) down there so i couple more questions and then we'll wrap it so i actually got to talk to matthew sedgwitz he was in austin 
this week. Yeah. And so he was on my podcast on oh, Wednesday, cool. <laughs> and and inter- it was an interesting conversation. We actually weren't talking about him at all. We were talking about nutrition and diet and how that plays oh, for <laughs> for performance. Yeah. And he, you know, that's something he hadn't worried about really before now, and he turns thirty this year. Oh wow! And and he's like, unfortunately, now I think I feel like I have to start worrying about it because I feel like <laughs> it's affecting me. But so that's a little insight on him. But it's a good heads up for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a little intel there. When you get but, to thirty. Yeah, exactly. But um, but I don't want to talk about diet with you. I wanted, but the vibe I got from him is he's obviously a really confident guy. I think some people would call him cocky. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really get that. I feel like he's just a confident guy who's he's, certain. He's certain in his ability. Yeah, definitely. When I when I went out there to visit and stuff like that, he was one of the guys that I met, and he was cool. He was he was really nice to me right off the bat. Like he took the time. He I didn't go up to him. He came up to me, and yeah. uh, he seemed like a fun guy. Like to be honest, I he just reminded me of a college kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he I mean, so he's super confident, yeah. but I also got you know, this vibe from him as we did talk about some of his quote unquote disappointments that he also had a short memory, you know, like that, that not a lot would cause his confidence to waver that, you know, when he had injury or had bad races, you know, it was easy to forget and move on. Right. And I guess I'm, I'm kind of getting a similar vibe from you, obviously with a different, a different flavor. And and that to me is just fascinating because it seems like at the elite level, everybody works hard, everybody is talented, that a lot of the differentiation between the person who might win and the person who gets eighth or ninth is up here in the head, and that ability to be confident but also have a short memory. Where do you think that comes from for you? I think, uh, I think to be honest, I think my parents helped me develop that way of thinking, and whether it be running or other areas of my life, I, you know, we all go through our struggles and who do we go towards to kind of, especially at a young age to kind of help you when you're struggling, it's your parents. And, um, you know, I've struggled with stuff in my life, just, you know, running aside and my mom and my dad have helped, sorry, helped talk me through and let you know that one bad experience is in the end of the world. And, you know, being away from them, like, to be honest, my parents visited me all the time at Syracuse, and it wasn't hard for me to get a, like, $10 bus ticket back to Canada, as weird <laughs> as that sounds. It's only four hours away, but um, that's something that I kept with me. It's like, for me to be sane, I had to know that, you know, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, and just because you have a bad day, that doesn't mean that the rest of your life is going to be a bad day. Yeah. And um, to it be doesn't honest, define you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story if we have a little bit of time Go for it. Hey, it's it's your time, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we have a little bit of time. Yeah. So um, there was a year. I think it's when I got second at NCAAs to Grant Fish. No, it wasn't. Was it? No, it wasn't that year. That's another race I lost. <laughs> Sucks. But um, I think I had a rough time at NCAAs my sophomore year. Yes, because we were talking about this earlier when I was trying to qualify for the Olympics. And it was rough for me because I went from like being in fourth place and in, or third, third or fourth place with a lap to go. And I was like, wow, these guys are really letting me sit on them. I feel <laughs> great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden with like 300 meters to go or 200 meters to go. No, it was about uh, 250 where I ended up getting like 10th or 13th. 
something somewhere yeah, around there. Not not good for you. Not ideal. Not what you were thinking would happen. Yeah, two hundred meters earlier. And then having people pass you like a NASCAR is very <laughs> demoralizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost. So that that was rough for me, and that was almost like a little bit traumatizing. And um, I was having a rough time because I knew I was better than that, and you know I set high expectations for myself, and that's not the way I want to end my season, especially trying to get the Olympic standard and stuff. And I remember I was, it was one day I was just doing my regular run. I think I worked out like two days ago and, um, I was just with myself and I was just thinking, it's going for a peaceful run. And I was just like, you can either be the guy that feels bad for yourself for the rest of the summer, or you can just like accept that as your story and a part of your history and move on and make sure it never happens to you again. Yeah. And once I made that decision of just moving on and accepting it and like, you know, if I get a book one day, I hope everybody who's <laughs> re- listening to this will buy it one Chapter day. One. Chapter one. Chapter <laughs> one. Um, I know that it would be a part of my story. And later on that summer, I went to race at the Portland Twilight and it was my last shot for the standard. To be honest, like my season, I remember meeting in Coach Fox's office and he was just like, uh, if you want to end your season, we can end it. But if you want one more shot at standard, uh, there's a race in Portland. I can get you in if you want. Let me know. And I said, I wanted one more shot because who, you never know how many times you can yeah. try for the Olympics. Like, who knows what could have happened to me. Yep. And um, I went over there and Coach Fox didn't come, but Coach Adam Smith, like our assistant coach at Syracuse, which is also my assistant coach at Reebok, uh, he was there kind of babysitting me, I guess you can say. And... Um, I remember I called, I talked to Coach Fox like right before the race, and he said, "I want you to do something that we haven't done all year, and that all year we've been chasing this standard. And even though I had a phenomenal year, I was never like super proud of myself because I've always came up short of getting the standard. And he said, "I want you to go into this race, and there's going to be some really good guys in the race, some pros." He said, "I don't care who's lining up, I want you to try to win." Don't even, I don't care if you run 14.08 right. and win, or I don't care if you run 13, uh, 15, he said, and win. But I want you to just win. I don't want you to look at the clock, just focus on winning. And I went into that race, and uh, Galen Rupp was there. And, you know, it's hard not to get starstruck <laughs> when you're yeah. on the line with someone as amazing as him. Right. And um, mind you, he was also training for the marathon, I think. So right. who knows? He was probably, <laughs> that was probably just a. Alberto was saying, go, go cool down. Go do or a workout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take this guy for a ride and go cool down or something. <laughs> right. But um, it was a big deal for me because, all, you know, he's someone I look up to, someone that a lot of kids look up to. And, you know, we ran fast that day. And I remember he made a move with, I, I think, about like uh, 350 to go. He started opening up on the pack. And I remember look, seeing him create this gap. And I was just like, I think I'm going to run fast. But then in my head, I was like, coach said win. And like, screw running fast. Like, I don't care what the time is. Like, if you end up burning out, it sucks. But you got to try to catch up to this guy. And then eventually I caught him with like, I closed the gap, sorry, with like 200 meters to go. And then 150, I started pulling around him. And then I was able to win that race. And I fell short of getting the Olympic standard, whatever. But confidence-wise, it just, you know, it showed me that failing is not always the end of the world for you. Yeah. Like you might show yourself something about yourself 
uh, you might open show another positive light about yourself by failing and you can always make yourself better yeah that makes sense. and you beat galen rupp yeah that's that was cool. cool i mean that's pretty cool <laughs> that was really cool i'm, I'm one to know i probably sure. won't have any more chances like that no, i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> nice. don't, get, you don't, don't go to any of the we're, races we're, I'm you're not doing the marathon if no. you're not doing the 10k yet no so so wrapping it up here so it's saturday before marathon monday any tips for marathoners on monday from from the the track 5k guy Ooh, i mean i don't know how relevant <laughs> it would be but if Come I on. if Come I was, on. I'm sure there, you think about these things. Well, I do. This is the way we're gonna do it. It's just like what I told you earlier. You can always learn something from someone, right? So you can make, you can shorten that marathon and just think about me running a 5K and saying <laughs> you can relate to this guy. Yeah. But um, one thing I would say is just be patient. Um, don't go right after it. Yeah. Because it's a very long race, and uh-huh. I think the 5K is a long race. I just do it because I'm good at it. You know, there's a lot of similarities I think in the mentality required for both races. Yeah. And your advice, be patient, is the best advice, not just for the marathon, but for the Boston Marathon. Yes. It's the most important advice. 100%. Because it's a race, because of all the anticipation before, the fact that you're sitting there for two or three hours in mm-hmm. that field waiting to go to the start line, the fact that you're surrounded by fast people. Yeah. You know, everybody got here for a reason because they ran a certain time. And then you start the first mile straight downhill. <laughs> and there's so many different things that are conspiring yeah. to make you go out too fast. And you see one guy flying right yes. by you and you're yes. like, oh, I should it's be crazy. And and those that that get sucked into that, yeah, they lose their race in that moment. And it's a long In the race. first 5k. Yeah, it's a long race to feel bad yeah, for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And th- but those who yeah. are patient there, patient really all the way until you get over heartbreak at mile 21. Yeah. Those are the ones that are chasing people at the end, feeling good, passing exactly. hundreds of people. Yeah. And so you're, you have actually the best advice that anybody could get for this race. So, yes, be patient for those that are listening to this who are running on Monday, wow. which is good. Should I go into motivational speaking? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I think you have a future in this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, so wrapping it up here, how can people follow you and the Reebok Boston Track Club if they want to be a fan? If you want to be a fan, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm sure there's not too much Justin Knights with a Y in their name. Justin with a Y. So at Justin Knight. It's at, sorry, my Instagram. This is very important. So you might want to take out a pen and pencil. (laughs) Justin.Knight. Okay. Justin.Knight. At Justin.Knight on Instagram. And then. Justin with a Y. Yeah. My Twitter is Justin underscore Knight. Okay. So at (laughs) Justin.Knight on Instagram at. (laughs) <laughs> Justin <laughs> underscore night on Twitter. Yeah. Man, you've got to get that sorted out. I know. <laughs> and Justin so, with a Y, J U S T Y N. Well, you know what? When I was making my account, believe it or not, there's some some guy that took Justin Knight, just oh, straight up J U S T Y N Knight. Can you that's crazy. It's cr- cuz that's pretty rare spelling for Justin, I would imagine. Yeah. I feel like uh I don't I'm just glad that they're like a normal account. Like they seem to be a regular human being because <laughs> they're not verified or anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if it's just something that's in my generation or no, it's not verification, but <laughs> do, you, do you remember hearing about dicks.com? Like Dick's Sporting Goods? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh and yeah. The whole scandal. Yeah, with that. Yeah. Sure. I'm just glad I don't have to pay somebody that much money. Right. To no, I know. <laughs> so, well, yeah, at least you got that. It, yeah. It does create an interesting problem for parents these days where you might have to start securing the instagram and and twitter handles for your kids when when they're early yeah. in life 
I, I have thought about that. Fortunately, I have very unique names of my children, so okay. I don't know that it'll be a big deal. But anyway, <laughs> go follow at Justin.9 on Instagram, at Justin underscore night on Twitter. What about Reebok Boston Track Club? Is there a, is there Instagram or anything for that? You know, I, sh- I shouldn't know this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search you gotta it look really it up. quick. Okay. So um, there is a team handle. You can always follow Reebok, which I, th- I think I there you go. I'm uh, obligated to advertise that. Yep. And uh, Reebok Boston Track Club can be followed at Reebok Boston underscore TC on Instagram. At Reebok Boston underscore TC. Cool. Well, we will follow along. Thanks for joining us, Justin. This has been really, really cool. And thanks for being so, so real and taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. Ah, well, I'll take mind. that as a compliment. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners, as always. You can check us out at roguerunning.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we will talk to you soon.